0: Welcome back to the STG Fitness Podcast. And this week on the schedule, we had written in as a surprise episode. And that is because Jesse and I had been keeping something a little under wraps um this entire time. And that was the fact that I would be competing uh this past weekend up at IPL, yeah, the IPL drug tested North Americans. And uh, you know, we went through a whole prep, had the whole schedule lined up and uh, kept it a surprise this whole time. Uh, You know, Jesse's going to be running this conversation tonight, but before we get into everything that has unfolded up to this point, Jesse, how are things going?
1: Things are going pretty good. Um, Just still, again, staying busy with football. Um, We are now hitting playoffs starting this week. So we are at home for round one playing a team that we'd prefer not to play again because last time we played them, we beat them 60 to zero. Uh, We feel that they should not be in playoffs on, on paper. Their record is good, but the teams that they've played, sorry, your strength of schedule compared to other people. Yeah. Um, But it is what it is. So you never overlook a team, but we do plan on getting past them and then on to playing the reigning champs, Fresno Christian, in round two. So it's a little bit bittersweet to see to have another matchup against Fresno Christian. Like it's great to have that matchup again, but that it's in the second round in the semifinals instead of the actual finals. That's kind of like. All right. Um but yeah. How do you feel um, it, about it? I you mean, like that
0: match that you want do you want them before the championship?
1: Either way, I want them again. It's just a little bit bittersweet that it's not the championship. It's not labeled the championship game, but I I think we know that that game is the championship. Right. Um obviously if we move past that and we do get to the championship, obviously the other team that's there, you know, deserves to be there. So you you can't overlook them. They're also a good team. I think they're seven and one and their only loss is also to Fresno Christian on their season. Um, so they're a good team, a very different team, but, um, you know, the schedule is what it is and you got to play the team that's in front of you. So we'll prep for it and we'll, we'll get through it. So, um, Aside from football, um, what else is going on? Just lifting, still getting through it. Um, training every single day. I'm really really enjoying the progress on my my program. I do need to make a video some point, kind of going over the details of what I've been doing and my split and stuff like that. But it's been a pretty good program, a lot of su- success, and will likely compete sometime February or March. Um, we'll see. But that's that's my end.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll keep it short because I know we're gonna talk a lot. Um but yeah just got back from Niagara Falls uh, this afternoon. Nice eight hour drive. But you know we'll we'll talk. I mean my whole life has basically been around what what just happened uh at least for the past thirteen to fourteen weeks. So I'm um, excited to dive into all of that. So I'll kind of turn it over to you. I really don't have too much to report on outside of that stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, just going over a meat recap. So, I mean, being two days out, I guess, um, competing on Friday, how do you feel about your performance?
0: I'm happy. Um, I think there was a lot of pressure I think I put on myself after what happened in nationals. Um Just that feeling, and you know, I I talked with a couple lifters, and I had numerous conversations with people. People were always saying like, "You know, shake it off, it's okay." You know, what when when you bomb out of a meet in that moment, you don't realize the onset emotions you're gonna have. Move and again, it's not the end of the world or anything like that. But for you know, for something that you devote a lot of time and effort into. And have a result like that, you can't necessarily just shake it off if it truly means something to you. And I think that feeling lingered with me. And I looked at this meet as a way to be able to avenge what had happened. And I think overall, I couldn't be more proud of really kind of running the gauntlet this year, meat prep wise, to go back to back to back meat preps. And take care of business the way we did hit 1300 pounds for the very first time. Um, I'm very excited. And I think it unlocked a new mental standard of what we have to accomplish in the future.
1: So now to completely backtrack, I mean, you're talking about nationals in July, not having the performance you want and, and everything so like the first as soon as that meet was over nationals and you get into the first few weeks of prep for this meet what was your mindset um i think
0: a lot of it i, I was writing off of emotion um mm. i think it was hard because i felt like nationals was the best prep i'd ever had i usually say that about each prep you know and that's usually a good sign when you're heading into each meet prep, you're like, this is better than it's ever been. This is better than it's ever been. But I felt like we had hit a point with that prep heading into nationals where I was like, I I don't think you can even put a, a number as to what we can hit for the day. I think it's going to be something crazy. And then to not even be able to see it come to fruition. And then, you know, because how I decided I was going to get right back into meet prep. I mean, Michaela and I were sitting on the, like in the airport leaving Vegas to go back home and I was like I it I it's it's time like to just lock into something else and mm-hmm. put my get my mind on that. And I think for the first few weeks a lot of my prep rode on anger. I was just especially like when you get put into a block where it's like you have no equipment, it's all tempo and stuff and you're just like I am just so mad I couldn't execute. One, wrap.
1: yeah, and I think that's where, on my end as a coach, and it's like, I mean, I think about this. I mean, even relates to football. It's like when you, with with my coaching on the football side of it, and also just powerlifting and STG and everything. It's like sometimes even for myself, kind of question what you're doing. It's like right. two years in a row, I've gotten to a CIF semifinal that our school has never done, and we can't get past it. Right. And it's like, am I doing the right thing? And I, and I think even after nationals, not necessarily reevaluating what I do or what I have you do, but even I think on that mental side of it, that mental training and getting through some tough training, nobody likes tempo training. It's not right. fun, but it is something to incorporate in your training where it's not just like, I think I think some of the reasoning behind putting that tempo training in after that meet sometimes you can incorporate some tempo work for some technique practice you know every other week but I put you through 6 weeks of tempo squat, tempo bench, tempo deadlift, tempo RDLs and I think part of that was just building up physical and mental resiliency, knowing that you can handle certain moderate to high loads under stress for a long period of time. Um, and then just really ensuring that technique is perfect. And of course being, I mean, not even hitting a squat and one of them being called on depth, um, kind of sucked because even in my eyes when i'm watching it over and over again it's like i've seen some of these dudes squat they're not hitting depth so whatever is in the judge's eyes anybody that's out there that's thinking about competing you don't know what they're looking at um that's a pretty tough thing and i think for anybody starting starting to compete or about to compete shout out dylan um (laughs) You've got to make sure that in your training, your depth, your pauses, whatever it is that the judges are looking for, they're looking for a reason to not give you the rep. So you can't give them a reason. You got to hit your depth. You got to make sure that pause is there. I think even even sometimes in training, if you can, um, especially something like bench, have somebody give you a command, but make their have them give you an inconsistent command yeah. a longer pause a super quick pause whatever it is different kind of variables like that can help help you prepare mentally but back to um just the mental side of things afterwards going through that tempo block i think was a big help mentally and physically and i mean even i think it showed on meet day because you absolutely buried all three of your squats
0: yeah i remember like you know when we left and i began training again i told you i was like i'm going to send you numerous like angles of squats we're never we're never gonna let depth be a reason we're not hitting something yeah and uh and you know i want to speak on the anger side of things like before it gets taken out of context of like I was just training angry, like, when I left that meet. Um, I think it was that competitive fire inside of me that was, like, it was a whole new fire that was ignited heading into that, where it was motivation to execute on a daily basis, to never let that mistake happen again. And I've always been a big proponent on, you know, when you take an L, you're not taking the loss, you're taking the lesson. And we learned a lot that day. Um, And I, I always go back to, like, before we even, like, walked down to nationals, I remember praying like in the room before walking down and I said, you know, I was like, God, like I, I want you to take control of today. Like whatever the outcome is of today, like it is solely in your hands and it's going to happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And like, regardless of the outcome and obviously the outcome was what it was. um. But you know, when I, re- when I came back home, I, I immediately went to church, I think the day after we'd gotten back and the message stuck stuck with me basically throughout this entire prep is that you cannot build anything with like a damaged seed in a sense, like your reasoning for what you are going to set out to do needs to be pure and it needs to be taken care of in a pure way and it needs to be done through God. And, uh, I think that's what really, it stuck with me and in my mind, um, each day when I was working towards what I was going to try to achieve at this upcoming meet. Um, it was, you know, am I, am I doing this in the glory of God? Like, am I doing the right thing Mm -hmm. day in and day out? And, uh, you know, it paid off and it it was, it was a fantastic feeling, obviously, to come back and avenge what happened. Um, super proud of. And I think too, is like, if you were to program me heavy singles, leaving, (laughs) leaving nationals to come back, I probably would have tailspun, and that's 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 what I want to like tip my cap over to you, is how we came back from nationals and how we rebuilt the entire foundation to all three of my lifts. It, we we scraped it all in in a matter of fifteen weeks. Yeah. We that's we, pretty, we pretty quick. We, we scraped it all, and we took care of business. And uh, yeah, I mean we'll we'll expand further upon how pre- the rest
1: of prep went. I'm sure in a little bit, but yeah, I mean even just. coming out right from nationals and going into that first week, you're talking about having kind of a mindset of, of anger, like you described a sense of purpose and wanting redemption. Um, And I think part of that anger is not speaking for you, but it's like, sometimes it can feel like anger of yourself and a little bit of disappointment in yourself because you're falling short of what you thought you were going to accomplish. Right. Um, I think that's another important note for people competing, especially at an individual sport like this. Yes. You're stepping on stage to compete against other people. At the end of the day, there is a ranking system who lifts the most first in this weight class, then, you know, but you can't get too caught up in that stuff. You have to realize that you are competing against yourself your own mindset. Are you going to listen to the negative thoughts? Are you going to fall into this negative downward spiral or are you going to stay positive and push hard? Um, and there's so many different scenarios in a powerlifting meet that probably can't even talk about all of them. I mean, something as simple as just it's your first competition, go out there and do your best. It's, you've been competing for five, six, seven years and you're trying to smash world records or, place first at worlds or something it's like that's a completely different scenario and there's so many things in between that spectrum but at the end of the day day to day in the gym you've got to compete against yourself um and sometimes that's holding yourself back from yourself sticking to the program um doing all the little things right sleep hydration nutrition consistent training not skipping things um, if it's just not there one day, don't push it and get hurt. Um, there's always, you know, live the fight another day and stuff like that. Um, but getting towards the middle of prep, I'm just kind of working through your mindset as you keep moving closer and closer. So through that temple block into the next phase of training, when we get out of tempo work, how are you feeling physically and mentally realizing that? you're lifting these pretty big weights for a lot of temple work and no equipment. Yeah. So between going from no equipment to starting to incorporate a belt or squat shoes and whatnot, how was your physical and mental state at that point? Um, I, <clears throat>
0: So I definitely think that I gained a lot of confidence more in my deadlift than I feel like out of all the three lifts, my deadlift, I was starting to move, like, 470 pounds for three reps, like, no belt. And I'm telling you, like, I never probably went above 405 before a block like that, like, beltless on deadlift. And to build that confidence and then to throw a belt on and be like, this doesn't even feel, like, fair anymore. Yeah. Um, I was super excited about that. Um, For squat, I think it was tough to mentally translate squat because a lot of it was high bar with no belt or knee sleeves and so when that feeling got back down to low bar i think i i came into the brand new block feeling good like i was like all right this is solid like i got my knee sleeves back i got my belt back um i can move down to low bar again so i can really utilize my strong hamstrings and i think it was just a matter of being able to see the development week to week i'm i'm a big proponent on i want to see the progression on a week-to-week basis whether it's 2.5 2.5 pounds added to each lift or, you know, you're bumping up five or 10 pounds each week to be able to see that. I think that's where the the patience kind of has to come in. And it was the same thing with bench too, because coming off a no equipment block, you're not hitting RP eight, RP nine singles. So you don't have a, an idea of where your capacity is at for a max at that point in time, mm-hmm. but it's just having faith. Is that like, all right, I've put in the volume work. Now we're translating over to getting my equipment back and we're going to have some more volume work. We just need to constantly see that progression. If we can see that on a week-to-week basis, we know we're progressing well. And I can say that like confidently, like that's how each lift went. And I think <clears throat> differently, different from other meets, I think I was very attentive to my nutrition a lot more earlier on in this prep than I have been in the past. Um, in the past, I've relied a lot on the last two weeks being able to cut 12 to 15 pounds mm-hmm. and making weight. This time, I didn't want to have that stress or let that be a factor of me being stressed going like into the travel and getting to wherever, like getting out to Niagara Falls and having to worry about cutting. For me, it was like, let's be a little bit lighter towards the back end of prep, go in and be stress-free making weight. And just be stronger at a lighter weight. And I think that's something else that we also executed extremely well.
1: Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was definitely something. Putting that weight down in a reasonable and timely manner, I think was a big deal for sure. Not having to stress about, you know, 10 days out, I got to cut 10, 12 pounds. So that was definitely helpful. And though that transition period kind of going back and forth between your point of view as the athlete and my point of view as, as programming certain things that, you know, going through that temple block with no equipment, like I said, building the physical and mental resiliency, because a lot of that temple work is, is really going to challenge the structural integrity of your body, of your central nervous system. Um, And then once you start bringing that equipment back, you realize how strong your body is and what you're capable of. And then you add in a little bit of assistance with a belt and stuff like that. Um, it helps a lot for sure. Um, and it, and it clearly worked because even though I remember there was a period of time that going through squats, especially transitioning from high bar back to low bar squats that. Wasn't completely lifting the weight that I feel like you wanted to be lifting. It just wasn't quite there yet. But part of that reasoning for a high bar squat during the tempo block is because your low back is taking pretty good beating during tempo deadlifts. And a low bar back squat is going to be a little bit more stressful on that glute, hamstring, low back area. So developing that quad strength a little bit more with front squats and high bar squats, alleviating that low back a little bit, and then transitioning into that low bar period and seeing the developed hamstring strength and quad strength finally come together. Um, That's just on my end, you know, how, how a program transitions from one point to another point or one block to the next block. Um, and slowly putting things together, because then, at that point, probably about ten weeks out, when we started putting equipment back in. And I imagine that felt pretty good to finally start having a belt and getting rid of tempo work.
0: no, I, I mean, it definitely felt like a cheat code. And like I'm gonna be honest, like I like the the blocks are not all sun sunshine and rainbows. like obviously, we're on the other side of it where like, we see the results and everything like that. But I'm going to be like in the moment, like I'm sure Jesse caught a few text messages from me. It's like, dude, my body's hurting like the first like week or two of like trying to get adjusted to a meet or trying to get adjusted to a block or, you know, just being upset with like, I wish this number was moving instead of this number. Um, But I think that's also too, like where I've kind of matured as a lifter, especially the last two preps is that, I've learned to set to be realistic with my expectations of like when you do transition blocks is like dude you're not going to be pushing PRs that first week like it is more yeah. or li- more or less to find that baseline and to set that tone for what you need to push the week after um and I I mean and that's why I think this this prep was so successful was that um you know I've really learned that patience I've learned to understand where my expectations need to be and to to truly trust the process because it's easy to press the panic button, especially like when you're in a prep where you're trying to redeem yourself or, you know, you're in your first meet or you're trying to hit a qualifying total and this is like a one and done type of meet for you. Um, it, it can be easy to press that panic button, but that's then again where your trust lies with your coach. And, you know, every time Jesse posted my program, it's never a question. It's like, all right, this is what we need to do to get done um and to get where we need to be and uh that's where my faith is fully in in Jesse in those moments is like this is what he believes we need to do to get to where we need to be and and I'm invested I'm there for it I'm all in and uh we're going to take care of
1: business whenever we see that I appreciate the the trust and and it it's goes both ways because I mean there's people that I program for um that don't always 100% put in the work and and I think that's one thing at the end of the day is programming wise whether it's you're programming for yourself or getting it from somebody else you know it could be the air quote perfect program for you for your body type for your training schedule for whatever scenario it could be the perfect program but if you're not trusting that program to 110% and doing all the little things right in and outside of the gym, you aren't going to see progress, plain and simple. It could be the worst program for you, but if you follow it to 100%, you are going to see gains. And, and then on the other note, that if you are programming for yourself or you're getting random workouts off of TikTok or Instagram or somebody else else is programming for you and you are not seeing progress, over the course of three, four, six months. And then if it's longer than six months, yeah, you definitely got to change what you're doing, but you know, three to four, six months, if you're not seeing progress in that kind of range, you've really got to reevaluate what you're doing. Um, And that could even just be your consistency, but whatever your progress tracking is weight loss, weight gain, strength, physique, Um, your just overall health. If you're not seeing progress, you've definitely got to either reach out to somebody else, find a different coach or reach out to somebody else for some assistance rather than just relying on yourself. Um, I think it can be very difficult with social media these days because there's just a million different outlets and places for information. It can seem overwhelming and you feel like you got to consume everything it's the simple things that work The the people that reach PRs, the people that reach world records, the guys who are some of the best athletes in the world for whatever sport it's doing the little things right and doing the little things right. Consistently hate to tell you this, it's going to seem boring. Like you, you there, there, there's definitely a difference between some cookie cutter programs and a program that is actually designed to, get you towards your goals, but there there's right and wrongs to all of it. And finding that solution is going to take some trial and error, but at the end of the day, it's the simple things that work. There's going to be some, the monotony to it, but you've got to follow it. You have to be consistent. So on that long note, thank you for being consistent and doing all those things. Cause I mean, it's it's both of us trusting myself and what I do, and trusting you to follow it. And then again, you trusting what I give you, and you pushing yourself day in and day out to get there. So where we're at, still just the beginning, and I'm super excited to where we keep going. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add on to that. I got a few more questions. No, yeah, I
0: I just one last thing. To, to finish that one off is just like, um, you know, with the nice thing, I mean, the nice thing is with so many coaches out there is that you really can find someone who is going to bring the best out of you. um, And that's where I kind of attribute like why I hold Jesse so closely as a friend and look up to him and, you know, really value his input Sasha. is because, I understand how much he's putting on the line. Like he's, he, he's sticking his neck out for me. He's there for me through it all. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of highs with meets. And when we experienced that low at, at Vegas, it was just like I'd never like, want to see him like experience that kind of disappointment again. And there's a lot of coaches out there that are going to sell you on a dream. They're gonna tell you, oh, like great lift, great lift. Everything's looking good. Here's your program on a weekly basis, stuff like that. Um, the thing I really value about Jesse is is just his honesty and his empathy through it all. Um, you know, I I one thousand percent believe everything he puts on a program is something that he would do himself. Like he wouldn't give me a block just to do it. Like. He, he truly believes in it. He's done it himself. Um, and I I look up to him and I never want to let him down. And uh, you know, I I owe him a national championship and that's what we're gonna get to one day. And uh yes, it's just uh, you know, it's the beginning of the process, but it's just it's been enjoying every single moment of it, enjoying the highs and the lows, learning through it all. I mean, cause this is what's gonna make, you know, when I eventually start to take over athletes, what's gonna help me be able to offer advice or wisdom to a younger lifter um, who's going through their first meet prep or is trying to build their way to becoming a national champion. It's life is all about experiences. And I am I'm, I'm truly blessed to you know have Jesse by my side and in my corner, you know, getting to where we want to be.
1: Yeah. Just kind of wrap up with a couple more questions, getting into that final meet prep, um, block and mindset you've been training with equipment now for a few weeks and we're hitting that maybe around five, four or five weeks out. How are you feeling at that point heading into the meet? Cause at that point in a meet, you got to understand a little bit back piggybacking what we just talked about in terms of that volume block and the tempo work and everything You've got to realize how important that volume work is. Um, It's not everything. You still got to have your heavy days, your heavy singles and whatnot, but your volume work is important, especially as a beginner. But transitioning into that meet mode, when you're that five, four weeks out, you're not, you might, but for the majority, you're not going to really see any kind of PRs or anything like that. But with your mindset, how are you feeling at that point for for where the numbers that you were hitting and heading into a meet a month out?
0: Yeah, I think my biggest thing is is winning each session every single day. Um, I think that's where the athlete mindset part of me kind of comes in uh, being a former baseball player. It's like you play so many games like that. I think that's the nice thing, like where I relate baseball and powerlifting so much alike is that like. You play, like when I played baseball, like I was playing almost playing a game almost every day, practicing every day. So you, you learn to make the small adjustments, you learn how to have that mindset to win each day. Um, and I think for me, like always in my mindset is like when I'm eight weeks out, like that's when the rubber has to hit the road and like you need to make sure everything's on. Mm-hmm. Being four to five weeks out, um, it's going in and executing to my best ability, setting all of my variables, all my controlled variables up for success up for success and being able to go in and win each session not looking ahead not looking behind it's what do i have to do today to win and if that's staying in the pocket if that is you know making sure i am executing well on my accessories if that's making sure on a rest day that i'm truly taking care of myself i'm getting the sleep i need i'm staying hydrated um i had to walk away feeling as if I won the day. Um, that that That's just my mindset the last four to five weeks out. And something that really helped with me, and I know we've talked about it on the past couple podcasts, I actually started uploading YouTube videos every single day. Mm-hmm. And I almost use it as like an accountability because each day I would talk to the camera. And if I didn't feel like I won that day, I'd be honest with myself. Like I had to tell YouTube, how did today go? And if my squat looked like trash, like that, that's just how it was. Like, and I had to learn to accept that erase it from my mind and get back at it tomorrow, do whatever I needed to. And I I was very transparent with that. Um, yeah, I had a rough squat session, I think maybe three weeks out. And I think, I, I mean, I told the camera, I was like, I'm, I'm, I didn't even post the footage. I was just like, I was so just like upset with myself. I'm like, dude, like I did not execute and I talked about, you know, the homework I was doing, the adjustments I made and went in the next week and blew it up. Like it just had a great session. And I think that's what was, what it was all about. I think that's something I'm going to carry with me moving forward is, you know, being able to find those account, like things that are going to hold you accountable, but uh, also just staying strong and true to your mindset. I mean, it, same thing goes for my eating. Like I, I'm, I don't really drink almost ever, but I, eight weeks out. I'm usually twelve weeks out. No alcohol. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to see it. Um, my eating was very boot camp like. I was literally eating the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, just about every single day. And I don't have to do that, but that's something for me in my mind to know that I won each day. I stay true to my nutrition. I stay true to my water intake. I didn't drink. Like I took my supplements. I I won my, um, session for the day and. That's all I got to say. I'm, I'm really yeah. happy with how that went. And it might sound a little overboard, but for me, that's that's just who I am. That's the competitor I am, and that's what yeah. I thought was going to set me up for success.
1: Yeah, you get in what you put out for sure. So um, now being meat week, based on your mindset, Nationals did not go how I wanted to, and now it's meat week what's rolling through your head. All right, we're back. And so to talk about how Meat Week went,
0: um I think the biggest thing was that confidence was high. Um the week before just about every every lift moved extremely well. And just like from prior experience, I know you don't really expect too much out of Meat Week. You just need to make sure, at least for me, is making sure my weight's dialed in um making sure again we're prioritizing recovery and that you know we're executing each session that's prescribed that week um this time around i actually had a little bit of a curveball thrown at me um i actually started to not feel like i started to get like a cold just about yeah heading into meet week um i had a coworker go out with covid and then i had someone else close to me go out with covid and i thought to myself this is not a good sign um i I was fine i was fine um however like i was like the weather out here in illinois was like literally juggling between like 65 to like 40 rainy sunny and just like the overall like you know stress of a prep like you know my eating i was taking about 1600 calories a day so it was like i know my immune system was not primed to take on all of this going on. Um I do have a very strong immune system. I do pride myself on that. But uh this was the first time I had to like sleep with like nasal strips just to like keep my like
1: sinuses and everything.
0: Sinuses just like good. Um but we shook it off really well. I know my last like heavy deadlift session I texted Jesse. It was actually the like it was one week out exactly. It was deadlift session and I was supposed to go for like a sec like, hit the open hit an opener, go for a second attempt and I hit 452 and i knew 507 was just like that's all that was there that day like i was going to be lucky to pull 507 and i pulled it but like you know like that feeling like when your body's just like achy like it's like just not feeling good that's just like how i was feeling and but to counteract that is like i actually was really happy that like 507 could just move even if i'm feeling sick Mm. um so again that's where that Maturity for me has come in because my past self would probably try to throw on like five 30 and see what, if it would actually leave the ground. Um, but we hit five Oh seven and that moved really well. And then I think we had like a light full body day that Saturday, Sunday off. So I was like, all right, we're really going to prioritize recovery and make sure I start to feel good week of, and you know, I just, I, My sinuses were still kind of just, like, stuffy, but the last couple lifts, it was, I think, two SBD days of, like, hitting OPS 200 on squat, 185, 200 on bench, and then maybe 315 on deadlift. So, nothing too advantageous, but, um, you know, everything moved extremely well. The thing for me was I didn't want to take any medication because I was scared it was going to fluctuate my weight. And everything was just so dialed at that point. I was like, I don't want to throw in a factor that's going to, you know, possibly throw something. I, Cause I don't know what like mucinex, I don't know what Clarendon right. or I even ibuprofen would do. I don't even know if it would affect my weight at all. It, was just, it wasn't a game I was willing to play mm. Um, just because everything had gone so well. Like I didn't have to water cut. Um, You know, I ate a full breakfast and lunch the day before weigh-ins like that's something that's really kind of unheard of for me uh the past couple of meets that I've done so um overall uh, I it, it was very good I think and you know we'll talk about this leading into meet day I think the nerves of hitting the first squat was just the biggest that was the biggest build-up of everything
1: yeah um yeah meet Meat week is definitely an, an interesting shift to what you've been doing in the past um for anybody really because you've gone through the volume training you're lifting dialing into meat prep mode and lifting heavy singles and doubles and making sure your pauses are right and this and that and then all of a sudden you see numbers on your programming that are less than 50% cuz really at the end of the day for that meat week you're not doing a whole lot a lot of the focus is on recovery Um, which is prioritizing sleep and nutrition Um, for a lot of people out there that thinking sometimes a lot a lot of times less is more i mean there's there's a time and place for a quote-unquote uh recovery workout a little bit of cardio here and there uh, you know a a walk can help remove lactic acid buildup sometimes and this and that but at the end of the day you got to sleep you got to hydrate you got to have proper nutrition. Um, that's the best way you're going to recover. And and that's a big, big priority heading into that to your meat day um, that week of. But some of those programmed lifts are just like, okay, we're repping out squat bench and deadlift for some super light doubles just for the sake of moving the bar, um, moving it with intent. And maintaining structural integrity. I think another mindset for people out there, even when you're throughout your program really, is mentally putting yourself in that stage um, of being on the competition floor, thinking in your head. I mean, even for me, it's a lot different because I live by myself, but just imagining like people are watching me or, you know, whatever it is. Um, painting that mental picture in your head while you're in the gym. Because at the end of the day, on meet day, people are watching you. People are judging you to lift that weight and either do it or you don't. The bar doesn't lie. Um, Sometimes the judge's calls can maybe be a little iffy. But at the end of the day, bar doesn't lie. The weight's going to move or it's not. And so everything that you can do to limit all of the other factors, that's on you. And that mental side of training is a big part of it. So um I mean that's pretty much all the questions. I mean, your my first question was just how you felt after the meet and you you're you're happy with it. That's yeah. good. Yeah,
0: I guess you know, the la- last couple of things I kinda want to talk about is definitely um, you know, weigh into then how meet day went. And I think but but what you just said though too, you know, talking about playing those mental games on yourself in prep, um I've caught myself sometimes playing to take advantage of my environment of it being easy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, having headphones in, you know, taking the rest periods that are going to make you perform at the maximal, um, output or I don't know how to describe, just playing it soft in a sense, like in prep of everything's in your favor. Um, and I think that was,
1: you got to be careful and and sometimes it's going to happen, but again, consistency. the more, the more consistent you can be, obviously the physical side of things is just lifting the weight, but the mental side of it, like the intent and the purpose behind lifting that weight and the mental state that you're putting yourself in when you lift some of those numbers is super important. And you got to be consistent with that. I think everybody will go through a point for a meat prep, preparing for a game, preparing for a competition, can have moments of complacency um, and feeling comfortable, but you got to be able to push yourself through those uncomfortable situations or purposefully put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and push through that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that I I, I did a really good job of this meat prep was re- like pushing myself to my mental limits, like making myself feel it. You know, there were some times where like a rep didn't move very well. And I treat it as if I, I failed the lift and you know let's, let's go out and hit the next attempt. And uh, for me this time around, it made meat day actually extremely enjoyable because I had that mental clarity walking into the, to the convention center is like, I've put myself through the mental obstacles through prep like I've put myself in the situations of being it being tough on a day-to-day basis and understanding that I've put I've set myself up for success this entire time I've made it through the toughest points now it's time to just go in and execute and have some fun
1: and hey at this point you've bombed out at Nationals without having an attempt i mean like what could be worse right at this point on the stage yeah
0: and so you you just
1: put everything out there
0: yeah so then you know kind of talking about like weigh-ins went extremely well um this time around with the 24-hour weigh-ins i've kind of gone a little crazy after i made weight and uh this time around as
1: we usually do
0: I actually I played it safe. I I was very proud of myself, and you know I attribute a lot of the self control to Michaela as well as you know she she was right there in my corner um, through this entire trip, um, you know making sure I was getting the rest I needed, like really just setting me up for success. Um, Meal wise, day before is like if you know, she was encouraging like let's let let's have whole meals, let's not order a ton of food, and you know just eat to the point of being comfortable. And con- but just being more continuous with the eating, uh, just to make sure we're getting a full recomp. I mean, she was on me about the got two Pedialites in before meat day. Just like everything, you know, I attribute a lot of this to her. Um, and then yeah, like heading into to meat day, we'll kind of talk about the attempts. Um, warming up, everything felt very good. Like I, I felt like I. The nice thing about working the same hours each day is you know getting up to go to this meet was a breeze and didn't really play a factor in any of it um i know heading into squats um i was ve- i was very nervous like it almost felt like my opening squat was my third my third attempt for my squat um i know it we said already good it looked really good and it felt really good once it was done but uh like i can speak on behalf of Michaela, myself i know my parents were even texting me like I feel like everybody's nerves were up for it, um, but the the sigh of relief and the amount of just like closure I felt once we once I saw those three whites I was like, we're good, yeah, we're good. Um. So yeah, we. I mean, we hit four fifty two for the opener. We moved up to four seventy four, which matched a meet PR, and I thought that was a very healthy jump. I thought that was in my best interest and. Um, yeah, I hit that two weeks out very convincingly. So, uh, that moved extremely well, but I know it felt heavy. Um, I made a very conservative jump and Michaela agreed with it too. I mean, we, we bumped up five. I'm usually someone who jumps 10 kilograms each attempt. This time we, we moved up five on the third attempt. I ended up missing it. Um, I don't know if you want to speak on squats at all.
1: I mean, other, you know, other than when I knew that. Cause you had texted me that morning and said, you're getting ready to warm up. And I didn't really want to bother you with anything. Just, you know, dial in, focus up. I know what your mental state is. Usually. Um, I feel like we've been doing this long enough. I know. I mean, obviously I wasn't there with you, so it's a little bit different this time, but I know if I feel like you need to be talked to, or if it's like, he just needs to just work through it like he's fine um and and i just feel like through through this whole prep we've talked so much that i feel like all all the talking is done right now just do the thing just go lift the weight we've we've the the opener that we've planned we've been hitting that opener for weeks by the whole year (laughs) I, i think we we've been hitting that opening weight Like specifically when we got into meat prep, it was like five weeks out, we're hitting your opener four weeks out. We're hitting your opener three weeks out, hitting your opener, just every single week hammering it in so that on meat day, I know there's going to be some nerves going into it based off of what happened last time at nationals, but we've hit this weight so many times. There's no question. So then like, once you hit it and I saw it and the three white lights, I was like, okay, we're good. Let's go. Yeah,
0: yeah. Michaela told me not to get get on my high horse. She's like, you've got two more openers to hit today. Stay in this (laughs) week. But uh, no. I mean, and honestly, I think to the addition of the squat frequency. Um, I think three weeks out, we added in a speed squat day, and I think that played a massive role into the squat peaking. Perfectly. I mean, right after we implemented that speed squat, that's when that next week. I mean, we hit. I think 452, 463, easy. Then the week after that, we did 452, 474. And it was just, I was like, all right, like, it's here. Um, And then kind of moving over to bench, same thing about the frequency. I think having a heavy, heavy bench day on Monday and then moving to a secondary bench day on Thursday, I mean, 286. I had the announcer saying, dude, put some weight on that bar. Yep, like, I heard that. Um, 286 flew, like flew, and then we threw up 297, that,
1: that moved considerably well. well. It moved really well, and, and I was actually a little bit shocked to see when you went for 308 to see it kind of stick. I was kind of like, okay, because, because I've never seen, especially on meat day, going, you know, dropping weight and everything. For you to hit 297 the way that you did, um, I was like, oh, he's, he's we're going to get over 300. Because I think that's yeah. one thing on the bench side of things is trying to get over that 300 mark. Is, 300 for, is literally in, the elusive in an, number in for me meet. right now. So it's like when I saw 297 move, I'm like, okay, 308 is going to be a little bit slow. But I, I was a little bit shocked when I saw the sticking point. It was kind of like, okay, whatever. We've got, to, we've got to meet PR with 297. We're, we're fine. And then deadlift is, I mean, you're locked on deadlift. Yeah. I think the biggest thing on that third bench,
0: I had the referee's countdown. She was doing a 1-1,000 full count, and I had it, like, locked. So I got it on the first one, and the second one I had it dialed in, and I thought I had it dialed for the third one. And she held me just, like, a tick like
1: a longer, order second. Longer a tick down.
0: longer, because like I was, I was like rearing to get it off my chest, and I jumped just slightly, and I lost all my tightness. Yeah, because I like I started to move, and I knew I didn't get the command, so I was like, "Oh shoot, I'm gonna try and hold it if I can." Um, it is what it is, and then yeah, we moved over to deadlift. Um, five oh seven, was smoked. Um, five thirty moved really well um something nobody else really like knows so the bar like wasn't even touching my legs like it was like it was probably like an inch away from my shins like Mm. after i lifted off the ground and i i've been kind of playing with some technical things i knew i shouldn't i feel like i should have but i shouldn't have made the changes i did um earlier in the year like when i competed at knoxville i was doing this thing like where i had my fingers like on the bar I would take my breath and just pull it. And in my prep for nationals, I had a slight tweak in my mid-back that, like, I went to a chiropractor. We we got it cleared pretty fast. It, ne- it never really played a factor in that prep. But I was always terrified of, like, doing something to my back, the mm-hmm. way I pulled like that, because it was just so, like, snap and go. Right. And I felt like it was just a matter kind of time. of a time. Uh,
1: grip it and rip it.
0: It was a, I felt like it was a matter of time until, like, something – possibly bad could happen and um so I moved over to like slowly just like like cinching in my grip to the bar um and then flaring my hips up and coming in to just shoot it forward however when I got to those heavier weights I think I relied more I tried to rely and I I thought I was over this but like pulling on my upper body like relying on my upper body to pull the weight Mm -hmm. so you could see on the five thirty and even on the five forty seven that I attempted is like my hips shot up, and kind of left my back in a vulnerable position. Now, luckily, I was strong enough to be able to just reverse that mistake on the five thirty work, baby, and just be able to just rip it. And act, I mean, shoot, that was a third pole earlier in the year to win a meet, and that looked right. like it was just slight I mean, five thirty has almost become slight work for me, um, but it really played that factor in the third attempt is. Um, you know, I came an inch off the ground, but I was so far out of position that, you know, it, it was what it was. Um,
1: but yeah, I mean, that, that is a technical aspect. I mean, different people, it's the same thing in, in Olympic lifting. You have P, I mean, Olympic lifts, snatch and cleans, you're pulling off the ground, obviously deadlift, you're pulling off the ground. And there's some people that do pretty well with a, what's called a dynamic start which is just a little bit more movement, whereas opposed to some people you'll see them reach down to the bar, their hands are on it and you can kind of just seeing them prime their body. It's almost like a, like a pre-pull where you're pulling that slack out of the bar. Obviously the plates can't come off the ground yet because if they do, and it comes back down, obviously it's in a lift, but people are just it's building tension in your body, building a solid brace, bringing tension into your lats, bringing tension into your hamstrings and glutes and really feeling that weight. And sometimes you'll see people do that. Like I do it. I'll have like a little bit of a pre-pull where it's like you do it two or three times and you're feeling that weight. And on that final one, you're building up all this tension, loading your body up like a spring and then finally bringing that weight off the ground. Um, but everybody's a little bit different. I I have no idea on a study or legitimate numbers on this, but I do find watching enough athletes lift and coaching enough people, people that do a more dynamic start or a grip it and rip it tend to have back strains more frequently than people that have a little bit more of a slower um, build up to their actual pull on a deadlift. And right. Same thing even with Olympic lifting. Um, and I think that's just because you walk up to the bar and as soon as your hands touch it, people just yank it. Um, and there's definitely a difference between, like, when I see my high schoolers and I tell them, don't yank the bar off the ground, it's like, okay, your arms are straight, and then they bend their arms and they just try to heave that bar up. Obviously, that's huge window for something to go wrong right Um, because there's no structural integrity whatsoever but even for people that are more experienced lifters and stronger um i do see i feel like i see a little bit more of back strains more commonly and kind of a dynamic start like that for sure for sure but yeah um overall
0: i mean this was the first 1300 total we've had. Um obviously now we have to get it like get signed up for nationals and we'll be back in Vegas next year. And that's like overall like I'm not going to gatekeep what my next meet's going to be. It's going to be nationals. Um we are going to head into a nice 7 month off season. Um we ran the gauntlet this year and I but I think the biggest thing is is I I'm leaving it healthy. No mm-hmm. injuries all year long, like a full year of powerlifting, nothing. Um, yeah, you know, we had some minor tweaks here and there, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a testament to, you know, what Jesse's prescribing for mobility work for, the, I mean, the overall programming as well. And just the, the communication we have between each other is, you know, when something's going wrong, like, I mean, we're, we text on a daily basis. Yeah. And, you probably know more about what's going on in my life than Michaela does. It sometimes, but, um, but I mean that that's just your coach athlete relationship. It's very much what you like. What you put in is what you're going to get out of it. Um, you know, obviously next year the goal is to add a whole lot of tonnage to the the total and really make a running to be in the the top for my weight class. And I I one thousand percent think it's there. I mean, I think. We've learned so much over this past year through three meat preps and now to have a full off season to make the adjustments we need to and to come in fresh to a meet Vegas ain't ready no, I'm coming for you Vegas like I am coming for you full force
1: it's yeah i'm I'm excited,
0: yeah, but uh. But yeah, outside of that, you know, I just, again, I, I, I really do want to say thank you to Jesse. I mean, I mean, without you, I'm nowhere near, I mean, I'm not here doing this right. stuff. Same. Um I mean, dude, I mean, it's just the beginning, which is like crazy to think like all that we've been able to do in powerlifting for the past two years and to think two years from now, what that could be is right is insane, especially from what we're learning. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I want to give a big shout out to you. I want to give a big shout out to Michaela, um, you know, for, for supporting me through three preps, I guarantee you it's not easy. Um, but just like her relentless support, you know, always pushing me to be better on a day-to-day basis and really showing out as an elite game day handler, uh, this past meet, I I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I know she was really nervous on that first squat. I think we, again we all were, but uh, I mean she handled business and, I mean she she took care of business this past weekend. I was yeah, I was very huge, impressed, very thankful. Thanks to her. Um, you know I my entire support system. Again, there's just there's way too many people to say thank you to. Um, you know it's been an amazing year full of ups and downs you know, pulling to win a meet, bombing out of nationals, then coming back and, you know, competing at my first international meet and totaling 1300 and getting my name back in the card for, uh, nationals is, is is it's crazy year, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's far from over because, you know, we've got another athlete, Dylan Holloman competing in two weeks, two weeks, I believe. So I'll be out there in Indianapolis for that one. And, uh, we've got a plethora of STG athletes that we need to get qualified for uh, nationals yep. that's going to be beginning in early 2024. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to focus on that and, you know, get into the off season, obviously get ready for nationals next year, but really to be able to be out of meat prep and be able to help our other guys out and, you know, start taking on athletes too. Um, exciting times
1: lie ahead of us. So yeah, now, now we got to gear down for, Black Friday and stuff, but, um, yeah, I don't have too much else to add other, you know, Grant said a minute ago where, where we were at two years ago and where we're at now and two or three years from the future, um, be consistent and be in it for the long haul. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, all right, well, we're going to sign this thing off. Um, our next guest is actually Bradley Richardson. Hmm. And he'll be coming on the podcast to talk about his recent meet and uh, what's to come for him. But uh, without further ado, we're going to sign this thing off. God bless. Do something great today. And uh, we'll see you all in two weeks. And we should – in two weeks. is That's mid-November. That's nuts. We're going to be close to Black Friday then.
1: Coming up quick. Real quick. It's insane.
0: All right. Well, take care, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you all in two weeks. God bless.